The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, Matt Michaels here. DeFalco Files with the creator of FSW Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. And uh, Joe, um, you know what? It's a new year. You had a resolution and... um, did it, uh, or are we resoluted? Yeah, well, I was gonna say, are we, are we totally resolved, or do we have uh, new uh, questions and opportunities coming up? I'll tell you what, man, from the minute the, the, the show started till it ended, I don't know if there was more stuff that happened in that one show than in any one show ever in FSW history. You go through every match, there was so much stuff that sometimes you hope it isn't overkill, like, oh, shit, I forgot about this. Forgot, you know, between Hammerstone and Limelight and and Bateman and, and Cody and Jake with Death Proof to, you know, the situation with Hero and Shogun and... The women's titles now vacant. There's so much to go through from beginning to end. And like I said, you know, the MK Army and the Po' Boys is the pre-show match. Oh, you know that card was stacked. Yeah. Um, And, and, you know, talking about that, just starting off with the pre-show match. um, (laughs) Did... You know, when when four guys like that get that opportunity to open up a show like this, um, is it something that they, you know, they they realize that, hey, we we have to kind of deliver here because everything, you know, even though it's a pre-show match, it's still setting the tone for that audience. And we're still got to make, you know, we got to make ourselves look good. Uh, to to show that we belong in this, even this being a pre-show spot, to be, belong in this spot. Well, you know, we made it important by letting people know. You know, in most cases, you're trying to get, you know, two rising guys that are, you know, maybe not ready for Octane or the casino show. And that was right. how a guy like Fox and RBJ and an AJ Avon or whatever got the opportunities to get on a show. You know, right. in the early days, you know, that that was the, the, the first step. But here you got guys that have been on all the big shows, you know, whatever it is. And just because of what so much was going on, I think it helped because if you look at the guys, in some cases, they may look down on the fact, oh, yeah, I'm in the pre-show match. Oh, it's a throwaway match. But I think these guys understood the importance of being in this match because 
You know, it, it wasn't like, okay, let me have a good pre-show match. It's like I'm putting the card together, and we're at four matches, and now we're at five matches. And the Po' Boys and the MK Army are part of the card already. And right. now all of a sudden it's like, oh, what, what's Bodie going to do? And it's like, okay, well, we have this spot for a scramble. Okay, maybe we're going to put Sharp in it, and we're going to put Cody and Bateman because they got their issues. Uh, we can add somebody, oh, you know, we talked to Brett the Threat, but he was on the road all weekend, wasn't sure timing if it was going to be there. He was there in time, but it was like, hey, we're good. The match has already been set. So right. all of a sudden it became, we got nine matches. So one of them has to get put back into the pre-show. Well, we're not going to have the No Limits champion defend in a pre-show match. I guess you could. You know, the NWAs, the AEWs, the New Japans, these guys have multiple pre-show matches where they've now turned the pre-show into just another hour of wrestling. And now it's a four-hour show instead of a three-hour show. Right. As an independent wrestling company, you usually wouldn't want to do a four-hour show just because it gets tiresome. But we don't really want to do a three-hour show. But this was a casino show, technically not inside a casino. So we went probably less than I thought. We went about two hours and 40 minutes or so, which isn't bad, not counting the pre-show match, which was less than three hours. But I think in a casino, it would have been longer. The entrances would have been longer. There would have been a little more going on. Uh, but we had talking segments, and we had situations to set up other things. So, again, from beginning to end, there was... I guess you could say not a dull moment. You know, there was things that made people angry. Uh, the women's match, for example. And, you know, coming out of that, we had a double pin. Well, Rochelle pinned the champion and Brittany Brooks pinned Maserati. Well, it isn't like, oh, well, since Rochelle pinned Viva the champion, even though it was a double pin, Rochelle's the winner. No, that's not how it works. Right double pin both people won and it's like if you hear me on the microphone because i'm the ring announcer even i'm confused like how do we word it like what what do we say you know it's it's not it's not a regular occurrence so you know figuring out what we're gonna do you know and talking with i guess you could say the committee what's the committee well it's me you know, hearing things from a Remy or other people and a Chris Bay who's there working as an agent and helping put together stuff and their thought process, you know, and we've come up with two options for no escape. Uh, One is Rochelle and Brittany Basically, it's a runoff. They're, 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 they're the two. Right. And we have a steel cage ladder match with the belt on top. And whoever grabs the belt wins. But I've also got recommendations that Viva, the longest running champion in FSW women's history, also be included in it. And it is a three-way steel cage ladder match with the belt above. So, unfortunately, Maz 
took a pin. So she's the odd woman out. So it's, you know, it's either the two or the three. And, you know, we've come to the conclusion if I don't get a decision uh, about the Silverton and locking in a date that right now, you know, early March. So we got a February 16th show. Obviously, we got a future shot coming up on this Saturday. But we're going to do No Escape, Caged Warfare. We're discussing doing only a six-match show, but they're all still cage matches inside the FSW arena. Sure. And we've already announced, or Hammerstone's already put it out there. So Hammerstone and Danny Limelight would be in the steel cage. And uh, we've also put the title on the line, Shogun will defend against Hero Lou inside the steel cage. So those are two matches. Now there's a lot of other chaos and, and confusion and and the Nevada State, where's that going with that crew? And uh Gregory Sharp, another impressive victory. He also has a pinfall on Bodie. So that's probably Bodie's next challenger in the no limits division. It's gonna be Gregory Sharp. You know, that that match, he he's specified that that's uh, who he has that problem with right now? He, he's earned. He's earned the right for that title. Right. So you know, then we go there. Uh, Damian Drake bought a ticket to the show because he wasn't on it, and he was all butt hurt. And he's been around for ten years, and blah 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 blah. Because like everybody's on every show, but of course he's going to take it personally. Then to add fodder to everything, uh, needed a spot in the scramble. Put Dante King in there. So, and, and that match became as chaotic a match as you're going to see. Everybody was involved from the Cody group with, with, with Jacob Austin Young got involved and Laz and Alice Blair. And, you know, it led into a match between Jacob Austin Young and Laz. And I keep forgetting because I always think of Laz as the 15-year-old kid who was in the kids' class. But he is... Nothing like that nice kid that would come to kids' class. He's pretty impressive now, man. He's he's a grown ass man, and it's you know he's a vicious motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, and, and so you, you know, know I, I guess being under tutelage of Bateman, you can't be Mister Nice Guy. No, and and uh, you know. Talk about someone who has really um, found their way into who they are as a you know as a persona as a person as well. It's you know it's amazing to watch, um, and and exciting to see you know this. You you don't think of you don't. It's the same with with Greg Sharp, right? You, you don't think of Hyperstreak anymore at all. You oh, not, not at all. There, there was some of the younger students were like that just found out that Gregory Sharp was hyper. Like they had no idea. So wait, so you could have just had them come into class one day with them. <laughs> and, and they would have been like, wow, nice to meet you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, is that how stupid some of the, uh, the new generation of children are? <laughs> uh, I've said it on many occasions. I don't want to reiterate it, but uh, absolutely. 
<laughs> and then the tag team division, it, it, it's really been uh, spruced up. But And big upset, Sky High took out the Billionaire Boys Club in an eliminator match, which put them in line for a title match. And, you know, the 1%, as I always will call them that on this podcast, uh, and the regulators, you know, I see the regulators as as the future of the tag team division. Sure. They're young, they're exciting, they're fun to watch. They're like the Detroit Lions of the FSW tag team division. They're just fun, and you want to root for them. But they and make it, some uh, they make some bad decisions in the end and lose. Yeah, you know, and they may you know they, they don't make the tag when they're supposed to, and then then you know that's kind of how they lose. And but. You know, Sky High thought there'd be a moment. I think uh, uh, Royce and Jarrell just won their match. They were looking for their own accolades like Sky High got. And I think they took offense to the to the upstarts walking in to sure. congratulate them. It's like they're the tag champs. What are you congratulating them for? They, they won. So I think they looked at it as maybe Sky High was trying to grab a moment. So – let them know who runs the tag team division in FSW right now. So it was a little surprising to see Royce and Jarrell, uh, who've come across as pretty nice guys, uh, you know, even in the match with the regulators, you know. And I guess they took offense to Sky High uh, trying to take away some shade from the uh, from their victory. So, you know. It it could very well be. It could just be Robbie and you know his his mouth and the way he talks so much shit about people, right? Oh yeah, Robbie. Oof. You, you know you can't you can't stop him. You know, right here on this podcast, I think you had to mute him the whole entire segment. That's yeah. That was that was the. Uh, it was supposed to be a family friendly uh, show too. Yeah, yeah. Like, if you go back, you'd be like, "Wow, Robbie Litt didn't even say a word. They must have muted him the whole time." Yeah. So, um, but, you know, but, Mondo Rocks does have a victory over Rocky T in the promo battle. So, you know, we, we got the best of both worlds there. You know, we got the promo battle champion in the uh, shocking upset over uh, the heavily favored Rocky T. Uh, you know, how do you think that um, guys like the regulators, uh, guys like Sky High, do you think they realize how valuable it is to uh, have this opportunity to work with Royce and Jarrell? Um, because it's, you know, again, it's you don't find many places where the opportunity to work guys who are legitimate professional wrestlers in companies that are known. Um it's it's the greatest training ground you can get, but it's also a, a good elevation ground. Um, you know, sky high facing them, that elevates their you know exposure and uh, you know gives them even though they have the experience, just gives them so much more to uh, you know to to up that game to the next level. They they can almost be suavecitos now. And, you know, I, I think they're tied uh, 111 uh, to 111 anyway. Yeah. So, you know, there, there needs to come a point 
to where you know we need to have that 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 last that that final battle. Winner lose the the loser leaves town match. Loser leaves town, but you know you know it's the same thing. And having those guys and having Hammerstone, and you know it's funny. Everybody looks at Hammerstone as a superstar. We we totally get it. The MLW thing. But I think because MLW is under the radar of a lot of other companies that it's like Hammerstone finally made it because he wrestled on TNA's paper. Right. Like, man, now he's a star. You know what I mean? And the bottom line is Hammerstone got to go to Japan and wrestle for a few weeks. And he's wrestled some of the best in MLW. But he's wrestled some of the best on the independent circuit and he's gotten chances in fsw to wrestle guys like la knight and carrying cross and chris masters and so many more but he's also given back by at times wrestling a younger hero lou a younger shogun and you know even a douglas james back in the day and a remy marcel and there's so many guys that have been in the ring with Hammerstone. And, you know, if a guy like Duke or Koa, you know, and I'm pretty sure Koa has and maybe in Arizona, but having those guys there and being a part of the six man and we had Limelight and Hero again got to work with Hammerstone and, and Papo Esco made his long awaited debut part of the bodega uh and you know you know that alone uh danny limelight you know sliding in uh and 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 desecrating the the banner of hammerstone so it was you know a big moment there and then you know he he got out of dodge for a little while but it looks like now he's going to be stuck in a cage with uh with hammerstone so and but you got to give limelight credit you know he saw that graves was going to be there so he wasn't going that hammerstone alone and you know what it looked like was oh okay he recruited hero well he recruited the whole mk army and you know it became five on three so he figured out a way to get an advantage on five on two in reality until shogun you know came out so you know it's definitely the future is very bright. You know, Limelight's a guy who's wrestled Kenny Omega on AEW. You know, he so anybody who gets to step in the ring, Bodie beat him, but he also got the experience and the knowledge of getting to work with Danny Limelight right. and Chris Bay's around. So the younger teams, the regulators, for example, they got to at uh not sure if it was luck of the draw or before that, but when we had the three-way tag that Royce and Jarrell ended up coming in and they won the belts, which I believe was luck of the draw. And at that point, now the regulators who are doing big things in Arizona, but I'm not sure they're getting that quality of competition, which is a lot of the reason why this Arizona guys wants to come out here is because they know they're stepping, they're stepping into new ground and right. You know, if they get to that level, they're going to get the opportunities to work, you know, superstars who 
You know, Bateman, another guy who's now a regular, who's got experience of honor and has been in this business 15, 20 years and trained people at the New Japan Dojo. So he's got a lot of respect around his name. So uh, a guy like Laz and Alice Blair have to benefit from the opportunity to just being around him, absorbing knowledge. And we're fortunate enough to have so many talented people here that they're the younger the, the younger crew hopefully is smart enough to realize there's so much knowledge at their hands hey Delo's showing up today hey tjp might come by oh you know you, you you never know brian cage pops in and he's been you know training down there a little bit you know and picking the brain it's all you can do yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> who's, uh, whose pocket does the uh, the new banner come out of? Is it uh, Limelight's uh, salary or uh, is it... Uh, I'm going to have to auction it off, maybe get my money back, make a few dollars. Because now uh, I had to order a new one. Yeah, I mean, does, does he not realize what he's really doing? <laughs> you know. Then he tries to get an early... Uh, He's like, hey, because, you know, I had to get him a room for the show. And obviously, I cover the costs of the room. But what happened was, since I put it in his name and it was at Boulder Station, I dropped him off. Yeah. And I had to go back uh, to be at the school because it was the day of the show. And then he was like, oh, hey. Like, he, he messaged me as I was get, basically getting back on the highway. I'm like... Just put it on your card. I'll reimburse you. Then, you know, I knew the cost of the room. And then all of a sudden it was like 30 bucks more. And it was like, dude, what do you mean? The room only costs this. I'm like, so did you get the early check-in and put, so he got the early check-in, which at Sunset Station, maybe I know enough people there or whatever. Right. I'll go there at 10 o'clock because a lot of times it's under my name. So I have to now put it in the person who's going to check in's name. So they, they're like, oh, you want to just check in now? And it's like, oh, okay, it's 10 in the morning. Check-ins at 3. But they don't ever charge. Basically got limelight there. It was almost 1.30. Check-ins in like another hour. And they're charging 30 bucks to get into the room an hour early on a Sunday when there's 100 rooms available. So right, I have to eat that. So I'm not eating the uh, poster too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> when you look at, you know, kind of all the storylines going on and all this, uh, like you said, you know, some chaos, some confusion. Uh, does it? So how hard is it? for you to then kind of decide uh this is the direction we're headed but these are going to have to be the main storylines we kind of highlight in the next few weeks if we're going to only do six matches they're all going to be cage matches at the school versus you know, then uh, knowing that, okay, we've got a little more leeway because we've got, you know, a casino. Um, and at what point do you have to make that 
decision um can you know can you wait to between putting on ticket you know putting tickets on sale and uh kind of finalizing a card um you know how difficult is that when you don't know exactly if you have uh, the big venue or the uh, the smaller venue well obviously january 28th was supposed to be no escape so there was those matches that were going to happen then and i don't know if it's a blessing in disguise but i think what happened in new year's resolution needed to happen before no escape and we've seen hammerstone and limelight for example and and limelight had the match and good match but he ended up losing wasn't happy with that started still going after hammerstone tossed him out of the rumble well if the last thing we saw was him tossing him out of the rumble yeah we know a match is supposed to happen but is there enough there to really sell the idea that, oh, we need to settle this in a cage? Right. No. But after what just happened with the desecrating of a big moment, and, and, and they took that moment very seriously. As you saw, Graves, it was a big deal. He messaged me initially. I wasn't having even thoughts of I'm going to have Graves here tonight. He was right. like, I really appreciate it. You know, do you got anything? I, I really want to come up with, with you know, shooting-wise, I want to come up with Alex. And, right. you know, there's a big moment for him. Absolutely. Graves has been an integral part of the success of FSW. He right. wants to be here. I'm going to figure something out. So if I got to pay him to, to make an announcement to introduce Hammerstone, I, I guess that's what's going to happen. But – you want to make sure everything's in place. And then we did the, the after everything broke down and then into the six man. Oh shit, man. That was the extra. That was the topping that was needed to sell the steel cage match. Right. We know, you, you know, we know hero has the victory over Shogun. They're friends. It writes itself. Yeah. In a steel cage, but adding a little more substance makes the match a little more meaningful because you got to remember we hadn't had a show since the new year's show but the new year's show a lot of the main players weren't there hammerstone right. was not there limelight was not there hero wasn't there shogun wasn't there so that was supposed to be basically the show that's going to build to no escape well now we have this show and now we have february 16th and now we have kenny and clutch again same thing Kenny pulled the swerve and, you know, the crowd was really responding to clutch. Now Kenny and clutch was not going to be inside the steel cage. We were going to have Kenny versus clutch and no escape, but now the show might have to be in a steel cage, but now I'm a lot more comfortable with having Kenny clutch in the steel cage because of all the things that happened. And now we hit him with the crutch and he wasn't really hurt which we kind of bought in like, you know, he trained class on Wednesday by, by Sunday. He was so injured. He could barely walk, but you know, he did have a doctor's note. What am I going to do now? I'm going to get sued because I let a guy compete who had a bad ankle, bad leg, but it was Vinny Boombots who uh, you know, signed off. Yeah, Rodney on. Dangerfield's lawyer. Uh, he hired. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that guy's still alive. Rodney Dangerfield's lawyer. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and and 
that that begs to to uh, ask this question in terms of someone like Kenny. Um, when you think about having to present an idea or does the idea get presented to you from a guy like Kenny or to him? Like, how does that go about with saying, well, Hey man, um, I know you're almost uh, 62 years old, but would you like to be in a steel cage? <laughs> well, you know, uh, Kenny King is no longer assigned to TNA. So Kenny King does like money. <laughs> uh, Kenny King knows if he is in a marquee matchup, he will get paid more money. Right. And Kenny likes money. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. You know, Kenny can show up 40 minutes late to class and leave 40 minutes early and still never offer to work for a discounted price as a trainer. So. I've known Kenny since 1999. Oh man, he was he was only... <laughs> But but it's the uh, it's the pocketbook that might have a But you know, and, and sometimes and you learn early on it, it 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 it's a business. It's like we could be friendly and you know, do with the dealings, but you know, you, your word is your bond in this business. You know, I've never had a signed contract with anybody. Right. Just ask the version amusement. We did have a we did have a contract, but we didn't have one for that show, and that's why we got bumped. But yeah, we have con we, we, we have contracts with Sam's Town and we had contract for the venues we did. with wrestlers, never happened. Uh I could probably count on one hand a wrestler that I had to pay in advance. You know, when we had Kevin Nash, it was through Disco, and I paid Kevin Nash after the show. Yeah. And a lot of these guys do require the monies up front, but uh, the only one was Davey Richards when he was in TNA, and I had to send the money to TNA, and, of course, Davey canceled. That was in his bad time when it was, like, the first Meccas. Right. And, and uh, Bob Ryder, who's no longer with us, was the connect there, and I knew Bob from the WCW uh, internet show with Jeremy Barash because yeah. would do stuff at the Excalibur, which had the WCW themed restaurant, the Nitro Grill, and it'd be like, hey, and I had to get my money back in that situation. But pretty much everybody else has been on a handshake deal, and it is what it is. So your, your word is your word. And thankfully I've gotten a good reputation from a lot of big name wrestlers. So when Matt Hardy tells Drew McIntyre, I'm not paying Drew McIntyre till the end of the show. And he's not questioning who the promoter is because the respect from Matt Hardy is more than enough. Right. Or back in the NorCal days with the Reno scum, you know, putting me over to the NorCal crew and the Brian Cages and, you know, the LA Knights and, and Cepha. And as the list grew on and on and on and on that, you know, hey, this is how we do business, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I've always been the guy. If I tell you I'm paying you X amount of dollars, even though it may not be your rate, and you're working for a little better rate because you want to be part of FSW. 
I don't say, hey, well, the, it was a little lighter, so I'm going to throw you 20 less. No, I give you what I'm going to give you, especially like those first Silver Nugget shows back in 2009 and 2010. We were starting up, so we were paying out money that we weren't getting all back. But that's part of the deal. You know, you're building a business, which a lot of these upstart companies and promoters don't understand. You know, they don't buy a ring. They don't have a venue. They just go out and say, hey, I'll give you X amount of dollars. Oh, can you do it for this? And then they'll rent the ring. They really don't have these upstart costs that we did in presenting a company. And it was like, you know, we had to shell out thousands of dollars to get things started, you know, and like our first venue on Boulder Highway. You know, we got it at a good price, but we're still coming out of pocket as time right. grows. And all of a sudden, the first year, you're starting to get things growing. And, hey, they raised the rent $1,000 a month. You know, think it's always playing catch-up. So, you know, yeah. unfortunately, money makes a lot, a lot of issues. Because I understand it. And, and you know, some guys don't want to work for what I can offer and some are more than happy you know hammerstone made it a point in in his speech you know he he always he always wanted to be a part of this because i was the one who gave him that first opportunity and he's the guy who's gone way 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 above and beyond to work for joe defalco just because he appreciates not only what I did, but what I tried to do and, and, and trying to get them on impact or trying to trying to do these different things. You know, I've always tried if I have any juice whatsoever to help somebody get somewhere, you know, I go out of my way to do it. Yeah. Um, do you do you think that, you know, it's it's interesting how that with wrestling you know with the wrestling aspect of things with the with the actual working side of things um that's the reputation you have you have a lot of people who reach out to you you have a lot of people who um you know suggest people uh you know everything is all reputation all you know good networking etc what i find fascinating is on the flip side trying to get a venue is like pulling teeth even though the company has almost a 15-year running experience in the city and a great track record in bringing in people to the casinos that you've been at i mean how how hard is it you know because you obviously you have a good sell to the boys but how hard is it to sell to these executives who are really just trying to you know, uh, leverage up and try to make you pay more money for something that really isn't, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's not like you're, you're running a multi-million dollar company, right? So like, how do you balance that reputation with like, Hey, realistically, this is what works for us. And I can't believe that you're trying to get this from us. 
you know, I'll be honest with you, you know, in one breath, I could sit back and it's like, okay, what do we bring to the table? And, and then you look and you say, well, why would Caesars want FSW? Sure. They probably wouldn't because Caesars Palace is relying on all these tourists coming in, having 400, 500, 600 people coming into a little venue and putting on a show and selling five grand worth of liquor, a couple thousand in food and getting a few thousand. Hey, we made 10 grand. Okay. Well, what's 10 grand mean to a company like Caesars? But then I look back and I'm like, okay, well, Sam's Town, Station Casinos, they rely on local tourists. And of course, they're going to get their they're going to get their tourists, but they're going to rely more 50-50 on the locals compared to uh, a strip casino. So it seemed like it was a good a good deal making that kind of money for Sam's Town or when we did shows at the Silverton where they're off the beaten path. And now there's a place called the M Pavilion. And in that area, South Point is 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 the leader. Silverton doesn't draw nearly as well when you go into the place. It's not as crowded and neither is the M. And we just had the conversations with the M. We, we had a good connect to get in. And the main lady passed it off to the sales team. And I saw they're running some kind of expo at the M Pavilion. That was the first time I've ever seen anything about the M Pavilion before. Right. And I just recently found out they actually had this pavilion similar to the Vail Pavilion at Silverton, but it was actually bigger. And they shot out a number to me that, and it was like, they really had no interest. And it's like, if you look at the schedule, there's really nothing on the schedule. So it's like, I'm trying to bring four to 600 people to your casino that it's costing you nothing because if you do a concert, you're paying the concert go, you're paying Silverton Pablo Cruz for whatever, for the concert they did last Friday night. Now, Pablo Cruz, most people have, who the fuck is Pablo Cruz? I'm 58. I remember Pablo Cruz because he had a hit song in like, or they had a hit song because they're probably a band, even though his name is Pablo Cruz. In like 1977, 1978. Okay. How many people are buying tickets for that show? I don't know. But I know you're paying for that concert. Yet I'm paying to be in your venue to also bring you people. And I have to hit you up 20 times to get a response. And Samstown, you know, has priced themselves literally three or four times the amount of what we paid before for us to go back in there, which is not cost effective. And it seems like after the pandemic, most of these places throw out a number and they're not really that interested in working with people and they've cut down their staff and diversion, for example, didn't do a lot of business. And and now I hear they're out of business and it's well, you know, am I the only person that was wanting to run six shows for you 
which would bring in an average of eight to 10 grand. Is that 50 or $60,000? Am I the only one because you did bad business? Because you sure made it seem like that 50 or 60,000. Cause the first time I went there, they were having a golden Knights watch party for a playoff game that they were charging like 40 or 50 ahead. And it came with like this four course dinner, which was basically little appetizers. And there's like 14 people there. Well, we packed your place right. and you pay us. And it's like, we didn't have any value to you. And it's really, really frustrating because you do see on house seats, all these places that are running events at casinos, some big, some small, you know, I went to the uh, Rio to see the wow show that had like 70 people there. And when I went up, for the house seat list, there was probably 25, 30 others. So you're paying a full staff to be there five days a week. And you got 30 people that may be paid for your show. Right. But we have no value. Right. And it's like, I, I was talking with Brett at GCW. He was relying on the silver nugget. So not is it our next venue? Cause we can do some shows at the FSW arena, but what about, when AEW Double Nothing's in town and we're trying to run these multiple shows and I want to run a Mecca and GCW is going to run and maybe we're doing FSW GCW Mecca, whatever it is. And now it's like, where do we go? And, right. you know, you, you can't price us out because if you price us out, it there's there's no value in doing the event there. So... Yeah, technically we can get Sam's Town. But is anybody going to make any money? Right. So now you're stuck and we're in that middle range of like 250 people. Well, we need we need we can run a good amount of shows at our facility, but we also need that one venue that we could put 5, 7, 800 people in. Sure. And you know, Having your room empty, you know, I, I went and looked at Silverton yesterday, went on the website. They have two events planned over the next two months at the Vail Pavilion. So they got to be sure getting a lot of corporate corporate events in Quinceañeras, and I don't see the Silverton getting a lot of Quinceañeras. So I know, you know, the reasoning why we can't lock in shows. Right. Especially since we're expecting to pay for them. And the number you gave me, I was willing to pay. So it isn't like, hey, you know, yeah, we're willing to pay the number. Hey, we want to do six shows. Could you discount it a few hundred each show? That way it saves us a couple grand. But like we haven't even gotten to that point. Still waiting for the return message. You know, right. I haven't checked my spam mail. It wasn't in there, believe it or not. <sighs> Um, so, so on top of everything else, it's it's just a frustrating process. You right. know, we do our thing at the Dollar Loan Center. You know, oh, everybody loved it. And I got the COO who just got promoted. He's like, oh, it was a lot of fun. Everybody enjoyed it. Blah, 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 blah. I love to do some stuff in the future. But whether that stuff in the future us means us doing some things at their events or, hey, giving us an event there. You know, that's a whole new conversation. You right. know, saw, you know, AEW, 
in a, a 55, 5,700 seat venue, the Dollar Loan Center. They're up, and I get it, Super Bowl weekend. There's going to be a lot of people not going to come into town for that to go watch wrestling because they even showed the rooms. Uh, Green Valley Ranch, $169 room this week is $1,169 next week. So AEW is not going to get that Arizona, California base that are going to, unless they wanted to drive in and then drive back out, staying in a hotel that weekend. It's all about the Super Bowl. And we get it. Tony Khan, Jacksonville Jaguars, they're going to be here anyway. And they have no problem taking hits. Like I told everybody, anybody who goes to that event, I guarantee you, you're going to be seeing nothing but celebrities, football players, and he's going to probably comp out the entire thing. But I saw on, on Twitter, there's a wrestle ticks or something it's called. Yep. And the 5,700 seat arena is only set up. And I knew, and I, I was told from Omar that they were cutting off a bunch. I didn't realize how much it's only set up for 2,200 seats. Right. And at this point, there's still like 13, 1400 seats available. Right. So, and it's a collision, but what we've been seeing is AEW's numbers have been dropping. Double or nothing is usually a, a really good weekend because it is that big weekend. And right. GW also comes in and they have an additional fan base that'll come in for that. So that's right. what makes it, to me, it, it really is the biggest wrestling weekend because they'll run Dynamite on Wednesday. They'll probably run a live collision or rampage or whatever, which again takes away one of our days, but Thursday's a perfect day to run something. Right. You know, GCW is going to take a date. So, and there's so much wrestling. Like, we want to do another Natural Born Killers, and we want to do a Future Legends women's thing, and we want to do another FSW GCW matchup because it's always fun, different things. You get to see people, and then you get the GCW fan base in the FSW arena, and it's, and it's the best, you know, the best crowd that we will have all year. There's always the FSW GCW crowds because, you know, our FSW fans get hyped up for their guys and it's us versus them. And it doesn't matter if it's a guy like Gregory Sharp, who in most cases people aren't going to cheer for, but they know how great he is. And if he's going to wrestle a Mike Bailey, which I'm putting out there already, you know, would be a fantastic match. Right. Yeah. So. You know, and sometimes and back that FSW arena to the gills for FSW GCW. Right. You know, we would love to be able to put some more people in there. So that would have to be somewhere else. So, you know, if you if anybody knows any other venue, I saw, you know, the Meet Las Vegas. And there again, they want more money than Samstown. And you got to bring in your own sound system and they got no lighting. And it's like, you know, they don't give you any credit because they bring in their own they they bring in an outside company to sell liquor in their own venue. It's like, and they make all the money, not you. It's like, boy, I hope you get a cut of that. So it's just, it's just mind boggling that it's really hard to get a secondary venue in Vegas. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's almost like it's, it's, it's all or nothing. It's, it's generally the casinos or that's it. Oh, you know, you could use those old mob ties and uh, not anymore. It's all corporate. That's also the problem. Sure. 
Yeah, that's true. You know, so they they own 14 casinos. So uh, somebody who brings in a few hundred people, you know, I was even looking down like on Water Street, if, if any, you know, new ownership. Like that's a place that desperately needs customers. So yeah. if I could bring you four or 500 customers, I just don't think that any of them have a, a decent sized facility. Right. You know, there because they're kind of small. They're, they don't have, I don't think they have even have a venue. Like, like we would have to rent a ballroom and I'm not sure any of them even have that. Right. The ballroom, now you got to get your own lighting in there and your own sound in most cases. And it makes it difficult. You know, that's kind of the reason how we got Ring of Honor into Samstown. When they did at the Orleans the first show, they did it inside a ballroom. And they had to bring the huge trussings and they had to bring everything. And it cost them so much money. Even though Samstown and the Orleans is the same ownership, it, it, it was dealing with different people. And, right. and when I connected them, they became, you know, synonymous with Samstown. Right. Uh, how about the Palms? I can't believe that that place is going to be less than three times as much as Sam. <laughs> it's the Pearl Theater. It's a giant. It's one of the biggest yeah. venues for concerts in, in Vegas. So, you know. Scott, Scott DeMore can't get you a break? Nah. <laughs> Scott only hits me up when he needs something. Yeah, no. yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was high on his list, you know, in the beginning. Now they've gotten all the connections on their own. They don't uh, need a peasant. They don't need a peasant like me now. Uh, you know that that brings uh, uh, to a, a good point here. Uh, speaking of, uh, of course, TNA was just in town, and then uh, Rumble happens uh, this past weekend. And you see Jordan Grace uh, show up. You also see that Naomi is back in the WWE. Um, yeah, well, you knew you knew that one was coming, right? Uh, and the the Jordan Grace thing was a surprise to to some people watching, and others uh, it wasn't because of uh, some. I was shocked. Talk. I was like, "Holy shit!" I, that yeah. was that moment. Yeah, and then there's you know there's people who just can't they they just need to put it out there and you know and just be like oh so and so is gonna be in the rumble uh even even the slightest suggestion of like tna people being in the rumble uh is just kind of a you know a breaker you know a spoiler um so with that uh you know you see someone like that uh who you know was friends with a, a lot of the guys here um, what does that mean to the guys who are chasing that potential of potentially going to TNA, uh, you know, from, you know, all the connections that you guys have with TNA, um, does it show the guys that like, Hey, maybe, maybe TNA is not a bad place to be. Look at what's, you know, it's done for Chris Bay. Uh, look what it's doing for Jay Vidal and, uh, you know, They've got their women's champion showing up at the Royal Rumble. Um, does that potential working relationship or showing a working relationship with WWE kind of 
potentially hopefully motivate guys to work even harder and utilize those connections. I think the problem with TNA is that the average fan doesn't look at it as, hey, they're not WWE, they're not AEW. But up-and-coming wrestlers, recently released wrestlers, TNA is always on their radar because it's a great schedule. And depending on how much you can get money-wise, you know, I know Hammerstone, for example, you know, there's options out there. And, you know, talking with the guy like Brian Cage, you know, and seeing his up and down, up and down, AEW, he's on, he's not on, he gets a push, he does, you know, in my opinion, a guy like Hammerstone would be more suited because to go to TNA, my opinion, because I think Hammerstone in TNA, as you saw, first appearance, He's in with their, even though he ain't the champ, he's like their top guy, Josh Alexander, okay, in a highly competitive match. So it's obvious that if TNA used Hammerstone and he signed a contract with them, because he's not signed anywhere, if he signed a contract, you think, you know, they would utilize him in a really strong position. I know Moose is a big fan. Moose wrestled him here at one of the Meccas. When we did the impact tryout, which may have been before the Mecca, I'm not even sure at this point anymore, but he was high on Hammerstone. So AEW, we've seen guys come in with big names, the Miros and Buddy Matthews and and Malachi Black and, and all these guys who left WWE for AEW. A lot of times, even Christian, Christian came in, and then he kind of disappeared for a while, and then they kind of put him with, with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus, and then all of a sudden now he's back in a prominent position. A guy like Hammerstone, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle because they have so many guys. If right. TNA wants to invest in you and the money's similar, I would go to TNA myself because I feel I might be better utilized in that situation. Right. Because, okay – there's really good guys that are in AEW. Lance Hoyt, who we know well, that right. he appears for months at a time. They brought in uh, Paul White. And then they made him a commentator, and he's in good shape. I saw him on the Jericho Cruise, you know. He can wrestle, but they decided to have him do something else. Right. And that is the process of a lot of things. Wardlow, homegrown talent. Made him a star. Disappeared. Brought him back. Right. Um, And it's like, so how how does a new person come in who isn't at a level of an edge is going to walk in? You have no idea where the wind's going to blow with Tony Khan to where you're going to fit in with that product. Right. So... You know, TNA, back to the long story of that question, is for wrestlers, I believe TNA is very high on the radar, while for the fans, that maybe they're just starting to realize, hey, TNA is pretty cool. It's like, yeah, they have a lot of really good talent that they've had on those shows for a long time. 
but maybe because of the TV channel they're on, they don't get to be seen as often. And now that they're making a resurgence, them working with AEW like they did and having Kenny Omega win their title and having Jordan Grace show up on WWE, you know, all those little things benefited them more than it benefited WWE. Right. And that's what we say when I'm trying to work with a company. Like, you get hit up, and it's the same thing. Oh, well, you know, hey, why don't you advertise on our podcast? We'll help promote your thing. And it's like, you got like one-tenth of the followers that we have, and you want me to pay you to sponsor right. something like that? It, it, it's the same thing with, hey, of course, GCW comes to town, AEW. They don't need our ring. But – Hey, they need some guys. Hey, they need the bar, the crash pad. Hey, they need to use the facility. Of course, sure. WWE comes in. Hey, uh, we want to film some stuff in here. Thousand percent. We know where we're at. We're. I, I'm not. I'm not so blind to believe anything other than hey, we run the biggest shows in Vegas. Some. Sure. some we run the biggest local shows in Vegas as a Vegas company. Obviously we don't run as big a show as WWE or ECW comes into town once or twice a year. They work with us. TNA comes in for seven, eight years. They work with us. Ring of honor came in. They worked with us. So there's gotta be a reason for it. That's the selling point of the school of who we have, put out into the major leagues of professional wrestling. Uh, the trainers that we have who have done big things in major leagues of professional wrestling. And anything TNA can do to get themselves some chatter means a lot because they're not running and trying to sell out an 18,000-seat arena. Well, right. They're running at the palms. It's sold out. It's great. But realistically, the numbers are 1,000, 1,200, whatever. Well, how does TNA get to sell out 2,500 or, or 4,000 seats? Well, they got to get people to believe that this is a major league company. And having Jordan Grace, oh, shit, they're women's champion. She's really good. She hung with Bianca Belair. And she hung with Naomi and all this other stuff. And, hey, they announced she beat Naomi to be the champion. Oh, wow. Okay, she must be good. Right. We know she is. Zoe Stark, that's I put. That's what I put over Zoe Stark. She went in like 15 minutes in a 50-50 match unsigned on a TV show with Impact at Samstown a few years back. And that match could have been the catapult to maybe get her signed. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know, anybody who sleeps on TNA is a fucking moron. You know? Right. And, and it's all about the art of the negotiation. You know, obviously a Hammerstone or whoever else, you know, a Cardona, you know, here's a guy who's staying as a free agent and is working for as many companies as, as he can to get the brand out. And now hopefully, hey, maybe we'll see a Hammerstone on AEW TV. And maybe we'll see him doing some things because all that does is up his stock. The more you see a guy, the more you're like, oh, shit, who's this? Because you're not going to look at Hammerstone and be like, ugh, who would want a guy like that? 
people look at him and be like, holy shit, who's this motherfucker? And now you're going to go on Twitter, you're going to go on YouTube, and you're going to find people that are going to be like, oh, man, this guy's awesome. And now you follow his Twitter page, and you see all these other people putting him over, and there's links to matches, and it's like, oh, shit, he's wrestled this guy, and he's wrestled that guy. Wow, this guy's awesome. Or we go and put, you know, matches on Triller, and he's wrestling, you know, some of the bigger name guys that he did. Uh, you know, a TLC match with Willie Mack and and a Sammy Callahan and all name brand guys that, wow, okay, carrying cross and in, in a, in a triple threat with the now LA Knight. And it's like, oh, he's as good as them. Of course he is. You just didn't know who he was. And that's how you make new fans. That's how you make somebody else buy a T-shirt from, you know, Pittsburgh who has no idea who the guy from Arizona was. Right. Sure. It's branding yourself, getting the brand out. And the companies need to do it. The wrestlers all have to do it. And that's what increases your value because there's a lot of really good talent out there. It is scary how good the talent is. Yeah. Um, and it seems to, it seems to be, um, it seems to be getting, I don't even want to say better, but I think that more people are starting to realize how to use branding, how to use marketing to an extent that they didn't before. I think, you know, if you look, the typical thing was, well, create t-shirts, right? That's how you, you kind of got your brand out there. <coughs> but I think people are, are realizing, and I know WWE one of the ways to get yourself looked at uh, for the performance center for NXT is to build build that social media following and to you know to make those numbers grow. And they want people who you know have a built-in audience already. Um, so I think it's kind of important when you get the chance to have these exposures. Um, and be careful what you say on them, by the way. Well, that too. <laughs> but it, but be, it is beware of your posts right it, but it is interesting you know that um you can take that exposure from you know uh like you said you know hammerstone here's a guy who has that mlw exposure but then you get that tna exposure and that opens you up to you know at least some more eyes that might not have been, uh, you know, these these huge wrestling fans who are just so dedicated to wrestling and and know all these different people because they, you know, are more of a wrestling fan. Um, that's what has always confused me about AEW, right? Tony Khan doesn't want to grow the fan base. He just wants to hear how good that his product is from the people who are already watching. And it's like, well, that's how are these, you know, other than getting a good a good paycheck and, and being set with your family, how are you building your brand? And you see, I mean, Andrade coming back in the Rumble, the guy looked like a fucking legitimate superstar wrestler. Look, look at Cargill. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? You know, yeah. no offense, but the WWE fan base 
generally isn't big AEW fans. Okay, right. it, it's kind of as I said, AEW is is the Ring of Honor fan base times five that they were able to build something with the Cody Rhodes and the Young Bucks, who no doubt they did some great things building AEW to get where it was that they couldn't have done unless they had a billionaire who was willing to lose millions. Sure. Okay. But the thing is Jade Cardgill, when she was 60 and O in AEW, all you ever heard was, yeah, she's not that good. She's not that good. You know, and she comes to WWE and WWE makes her out to be the biggest free agent of all times. And they're building her up and having her dress the way they do and look the way they do. She came out to me. She was the MVP of the rumble. Like whatever she lacks in wrestling skills, they'll work with it. But she is going to be presented as a monster in most cases. Right. And they need to do the Goldberg thing with her and have her dominate and, and stuff. You know, I'll be honest. I was really disappointed in Nia Jax. I know I was, I was never a huge fan, but I, I, I thought her performance was horrendous for the position she was put in and given, I, you know, and I guess you've heard it, the sloppiness and, and just, doesn't look smooth at all you know right. jay came in and you were like you don't know if you didn't know who she was because a lot of people didn't other than through the vignettes and showing up who she was you'd be like right. holy shit who, she is one bad motherfucker like right she might be able to kick everybody's ass it was kind of like everybody knew china would be able to beat the shit out of tori wilson and trish stratus and, and and all them that and she was presented that way that she right. could beat men and Jade Cargill is being presented. I would have had her win the Rumble myself. Because now where do you go with her? You know, is she going to go and now beat up, you know, the Tiffany Stratton or somebody from NXT? It's like she's another one who dominated higher end, top level female wrestlers. Right. You know, you you want to you want. As I always said, first impressions are the most important. You can't make somebody a monster after she comes in and loses because she was the AEW chick. Right. Like my Tyshawn Prince story. Like, well, let's 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 humble him by losing, like struggle to beat Kid Vegas and then make him a monster. It's like, no, he's a monster from day one. Jade Cardgill's a monster from day one. So having her win would have been like a big deal to me. Like, Bailey's been the champion and I get it or whatever fine but i think it would have been a bigger a bigger deal like oh shit the newcomer because again they're not going to promote AEW, but the newcomer shot the world and in her first match in wwe she won the rumble and she's going to wrestlemania but the question becomes and, and this is i think fair enough um she's still she's still green and do you put someone in that position as a headliner at WrestleMania. Yeah. Goldberg was green. Yeah. If but. you're if you're so confident that the Charlotte Flairs and the Oscars and all these top level, you know, Becky Lynch 
that they are the best in the world, there's no reason why the best women wrestler in the world shouldn't be able to make sure Jade Cargill looks great in the match. That's the reason you put younger talent in with the higher level talent, because you're going to expect Gregory Sharp to pull a better match out of RBJ than you think AJ Avon's going to pull out of RBJ because AJ Avon is concerned with how he's going to make sure he does what he needs to do. Right. The, the, WWE Women's Champion knows her place. Becky Lynch has huge confidence in her ability. You know, I'm pretty sure her and Nia Jax wasn't horrible, but she still had to work with something. They right. made Nia Jax a champion at a time, and nobody's going to tell me that she's so more proficient than Jade right. Cargill is. You know, Jade Cargill is whatever you want her to be. So, but uh, in thinking about what's about to happen, and I thought I'd never say that, by the way. Oh, I agree, hundred percent. I agree, a hundred percent. But it's the same uh, thing. Cody Rhodes and CM Punk are in the ring together. It is the biggest deal in professional wrestling. If it happens in AEW, yeah, that's a cool moment. Oh yeah, that's cool. Whatever it is, WWE is unreachable. It is the pinnacle of everything. It's just like the UFC has branded itself. You can bring whoever, Fedor, any of the legends to Bellator or the other companies, but it just isn't the same. Yeah, it, 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 It's crazy because, like, in, in baseball, you have Major League Baseball, and that's it. In football, you have... National Football League, that's it. The minor league football is just that, minor league football. Wrestling is WWE and everything else. And as good as a New Japan and an AEW and a TNA, it's they are in a league of their own by far. And nothing will – any scandal will never eclipse it as we are now seeing yeah right that's uh, that's that's a great point um the one thing about jade and this is uh as we as we start to kind of get ready to wrap up here do you think that the exposure for the rumble is kind of a push or a bump towards what is probably going to happen and that is uh you know they've they've held off on her. Does it lead to her being the marquee person on NXT when they go to CW? No, I you know they could use her there. She is a, she's a star. Why are you making a star go on your minor league show? But that's it's a I, minor I, league show. Raw and SmackDown are one and two. That's the number three show. She has a lot of – she has too much upside to not put her on Raw and SmackDown and have her feud with the biggest women stars. But I guess the question would be, wouldn't a network like CW want someone like that uh, who is fresh, who is probably someone that they could use towards their products? 
on their shows. Uh, you know, WWE don't care. This isn't Raw and SmackDown where I want Brock Lesnar here. I need Roman Reigns there. It's NXT. This is our up-and-coming talent. You're going to get probably the special appearances that you've gotten. Dolph sure. Ziggler shows up. He wins a match. He does this. Dominic Mysterio. Seth won a title. You brought in Cena. You brought in Undertaker. I can see a lot more of that happening in the future of NXT because they need to have a reason to watch because again, WWE fans obviously know that NXT is the minor leagues. That's why they draw a third of what WWE raw or SmackDown draws. Right. Because the NXT fans are WWE fans and the NXT fans are the WWE fans who are really hardcore wrestling fans and want to explore outside. Because I've learned throughout many years that many WWE fans are in a bubble and that's all that exists to them. They were not aware of Impact and a Rob Van Dam and a Jeff Hardy being there. Right. As time progressed... NXT helped that because it made them a little more aware of Ring of Honor and secondary stuff and New Japan because they delved into it and then all of a sudden they paid attention to more. But NXT is always going to be, you know, the thing is on the CW, if you draw a half a million people, it's probably one of your top five shows. True. Yeah. So NXT is going to bump whatever King of Queens, uh, you know, repeat that was going to air in that time slot. Because they don't really have, it isn't like, hey, we're going to go to CW. You know, they have a block of the stuff, and it used to be all the DC stuff. And it did okay for them. And the Arrows, and I watched all that stuff. But it doesn't exist anymore. They have, I believe, uh, only like one or two scripted shows, the All-American shows uh, that was based off, uh, an ex NFL football player, and I like it, good show, but all the DC stuff is now totally done on there. So everything right. else is more realistic, and and so they've cut down on their budget in that terms. So live sports, <clears throat> as I believe I mentioned last week, is is the last domain for advertisers running commercials because you can't watch certain things on tape. So a lot of the, a lot of the networks are looking for as much live sports as possible. And that's why ESPN, you know, dips to the bottom of the barrel and you can watch, you know, the big live cornhole tournament. Uh, and, and it draws good ratings because it's live. Right. Um, that's, I mean, that's a great point. Um, all right. So we, uh, we're getting ready now, uh, what, two and a half weeks, I guess, away from the 16th, somewhere around. Yeah, and we got Future Shock Saturday. Right. Uh, any uh, any big uh, announcements for shoot Future Shock right now? Do you have everything set in place? Yeah, right now it's all the younger guys and stuff like that, so we're, we're putting those together. But coming out of 
what happened at New Year's resolution. Um, Dante King versus Damian Drake is happening. Gotcha. We're going there. Uh, might as well announce it now. We're setting up, no doubt, it's going to be Hero versus Shogun at No Escape. But okay. before them, Shogun is going to be wrestling uh, with the title on the line against Big Duke Lawrence, another member of the MK Army. So, uh, you know, that that's a big matchup for us. Uh, Royce Isaacs will be on hand, and it's looking like uh, he will be wrestling one of the members of Sky High who they will be wrestling for the tag team titles uh, down the line. So, you know, we're putting things together and, you know, got some good ideas. So the 16th show should, uh, uh, we're going to call it the calm before the storm. <laughs> Don't know how calm it's going to be, but, you know, everything everything's on pace for no escape to be after that. So that's kind of... So It'll be gonna, the final inklings of putting things into place. So you're going to have the calm before the storm, and then the show after uh, No Escape will be the rage after the cage, right? Well, it could, it could be uh, new beginnings. Uh, <laughs> Wait, just, cross on the copyright infringement using uh, the FSW turn, uh, new beginnings, ground zero, all that stuff. <laughs> how, many, how many new beginnings are you going to have this year, Joe? <laughs> It's only two well, months. This would, be the, this would be the new beginning. <laughs> so, so you're running the WWE schedule where the, the, the year technically starts somewhere around uh, mid-February, early uh, March. Well, usually it would start at no escape January 28th. Right. <laughs> but it is what it is. You know, you got to make, you know, you got to make do. You got to do your best. You know, each year that progresses is a struggle. You know, you, you just keep hoping the good outweighs the bad. And, you know, sometimes sometimes in the last year or two, it's gotten, you know, kind of close. But, you know, being able to work with certain people that you really like and appreciate. Like Chris Bay, he wasn't booked on the show, but he was there yeah. all night talking to people. You know, Kenny, you know, reviewing some stuff on the students or on some of the matches, critiquing, you know, you can't beat that. You know, I don't know many companies that can have a who's who backstage during, before, during, and after a show, unless they're booked yeah. to do things. And, you know, a D'Lo can show up, uh, a Bay can show up, a Kenny can show up, you know. And like I said, having a Bateman there, you know, and all these people having Hammerstone there. There's like, and Royce and Jarrell, who have done so much since their first run in FSW. And it's like, man, take a look at that roster. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. man. You should really be thankful if you're a local for the opportunities that you get. So, yeah, can't emphasize that uh, enough, but it's up to the individual to see the value. 
Well, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't tell you how you have to feel, you know, and and some, you know, man, they try to absorb as much as possible. Sure. And some don't, you know, and um, to me, it, it, it's a it's a much more difficult task to get somewhere if you think you're going to do it all by yourself. And right. you don't need any help. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. And uh, <laughs> let's face it, too, the more that you the more different avenues that you keep open, uh, the more you'll absorb, the more you'll learn and the more opportunities you'll have uh, because you'll be more diverse in what you can do as well. And I think that's, you know, really important, um, you know, absorbed from everyone around you and um, and also give back, you know. I think that's that's huge. That's what. Yeah, and, and that's one thing. Like like Chris Bay being around all the time. Yeah. You know, he's got a busy schedule, so he's not booked. There's a good chance he can go do something in town to enjoy himself. Right. But what do you do? He comes to the FSW show there before the show starts. Like he wasn't there at like five, you know, four fifty-five for the five o'clock show. He was right. there at three o'clock, and. Hey, you need me to, you know, help agent a match. You need me to go over anything with people, blah, 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 blah. And he's there. Hey, what are you looking for with, with this segment? You know, how do you want it to play out? And, you know, all these guys sprinkling in a little, a little different ideas. Like I said, you know, I, 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 I perceive myself as someone who does a really good job with things. But I don't know everything. I, I don't think that my ideas are only ideas and they're the best ideas and they're the only ones I'm going to use. I'm not that stubborn, you know. <laughs> no, but you're that egotistical. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> but that's, you know, that's the funniest thing. It's like, uh, isn't that. If you're going to say, do you, th do you do a good job, Joe? I'm going to like, yeah, I do a great fucking job. And I don't think that's being egotistical. It's just like no. if yeah. Hammerstone believes, why shouldn't Hammerstone believe he's one of the best? He puts in the fucking work. Because that's the difference between, and I think this is very important. It's the difference between your confidence in your abilities and what you do and what you put out there as opposed to just plain ego in which your ego doesn't, show necessarily your um your ability your you know your um your track record and what it's just ego and anyone who just has an ego doesn't really mean that they've proven anything shown anything have anything they just think they do yeah i, I want somebody to outwork me when i see companies that are doing stuff it's like oh they have a show today oh well yeah you know outwork me I'm the guy hitting out a flyer. I'm not relying on other people. Yep. I get help, great. But I never not do something because I'm the one who has to do it. Right. And yep. I, I've learned, I learned that very early on in the business that if you want to succeed or fail, you better do everything you can. You can't rely on other people because other people have their own agendas, which, again, you should have your own agenda. My right. agenda is to make FSW successful. Your agenda is to make your podcast successful. 
And if me being on it helps make it successful and it, and you have all your other podcasts and me being on here helps you, well, that's what you're going to do. I'm going to do it because I'm hoping it's going to get me exposure and it's going to get me having more people be aware of what FSW is, what it does, my mindset. It's yep. an outlet. It's a good way to do things. Right. I did it on the radio show until I, it became pointless. You know, right. I was on it for a long time. It was on the local radio. And I, I just thought there was it was promoted horrendously. Like 90% of the people I know had no idea that I was doing the radio show. Because nobody who ran the radio show promoted it enough. Yeah, he did it on his Twitter or whatever. But it was like, I make recommendations. I did a radio show. I know, I know what we did. We would get a lot of phone calls. Well, if you get a lot of phone calls, you're interacting with fans. Right. In years, I never got a phone call. We never got a phone call. Hey, why don't you get phone calls? Why don't you give it give away tickets? And when you give away tickets, put the, the caller on the on the line. Like, I don't know. Hey, caller four is winning tickets to this. Well, how do I know caller one, two, and three wasn't the same fucking person? Like, anybody could say there's people listening, but right. if I'm on an hour show, like, I, I, we would get there, the wrestling zone on KLAV, the little shit station, but I would have flyers, and I'd go to wrestling events, and I'd be like, hey, I got a radio show. Hey, we're going to have guests on. Hey, we did it at the All-Star Cafe, and we had Matt Hardy on, and we had, not live, but they they called in. And we had The Rock, and we would have whatever local stuff was going on, and we'd do that, and we'd get calls. And we would have wrestling parties at the All-Star Cafe that aired Monday Night Raw and Nitro. And 10, sometimes 10 people came, sometimes 30 people came. But what percentage of 30 people are actually coming to the all-star cafe that are actually listening? I know I have listeners. Right. Right. And right. you know, the weakest thing in, 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 in wrestling is lack of promotion and hoping people are just going to come to your show. Yeah. And there, there's nothing more I hate than looking at an FSW arena show and seeing empty seats. And it's like, yeah, did we have a good crowd at New Year's Resolution? Yeah. I think we should have had a better crowd. You know, there there was there was maybe six or seven front rows available. Why was there six or seven? This was a stacked card. You know, we, we sell out 80 or 90 front rows at the Silver Nugget in a lot of cases. Right. Well, we had 65 seats. Why didn't we own why didn't we sell why didn't we sell 70? Why couldn't I have had to squeeze some more seats in there? And every time that happens, I have to go back to the drawing board and wonder why. Because maybe we're relying too much. You know, we did hand out flyers to this event. But in a lot of cases, everybody gets stale. Everybody gets stagnant. Uh, oh, I don't really want to hand out flyers. Well, we got we got Twitter. We got Facebook. We got Instagram. How many? How many? How many of the same people see the same things? Did we reach new people? Did we reach people who moved to Vegas that are wrestling fans? Uh, did we, you know, people who may, you know, TNA? Did did we get anybody from TNA? I don't know. Right. You know, 
crazy. I was at Barley's the other day, and I walk in, and this guy walks up to me, and he starts talking to me about FSW. And I'm like, who is this fucking guy? He's like, oh, yeah, uh, you handed me a flyer at TNA. And he's probably a guy who has been in Barley's 50 times when I was there. But now he saw me. As a matter of fact, I don't recognize him if he came to the show. He may have, but I got to go to Barley's just to see. But the thing is, that guy had no idea who we were until we handed a thing at a wrestling show. But that's also the thing. We used to do Mecca's the day after the Ring of Honor stuff. We're handing out 500 flyers right then and there. Some people staying after. And then after year three and four, a lot of those Ring of Honor fans who would come in from out of state we're now staying over that extra day because the Mecca cards were loaded. Right. And there's so much work that has to be put in. And it was like, you know, man, I had a ring announce. Ring announce was unavailable. And it was in fucking uh, Florida for the Rumble. And Ricky Tenacious was unavailable. So I had to commentate. And Kaylee wasn't able to do the music for the show. So to get Jonathan to do it and I so I had to now go get all the music and put it in and then he was looking at the wrong list and that became an issue and then Joey's in Florida for the Royal Rumble so now I'm scrambling to make sure we have a live stream going Mikey ends up doing the live stream by doing the mix turned out all right you know my kid was there so I'm pretty sure it was less stressful for everybody inside the office (laughs) so you know moving forward but there's just so many moving parts and Remy was in the office, you know, helping out, not only Asianing and, and helping with the production and making sure everything's going smooth. And then Maserati's coming in screaming because her fucking music, I gave it to the other person. I'm like, you know, I'm sorry I only have nine million things to do. But now you're giving me your fucking song on a YouTube video. How about an MP3? But you don't know what an MP3 is. So then message the next day. Oh, love you, Joe. Sorry, I have it right here on an MP3. Yeah, because if you gave it to any other person, they would say, give me an MP3. It's like, you know, I had 9 million things to do. If somebody didn't put your music in, yeah, that's fucked up. But it ain't me. Oh, man. I pulled the song that that said, FSW Themes 2023, Maserati. And it had, like, the date, something 2022. Okay. Slide it over. I have to go to the back, not commentate the Kenny clutch match, which became the clutch Braxton match to go back there to figure it all out. And then Rochelle had her own separate entrance, which she had an email to me. So that I had to download it into the system. It was just like, Jesus Christ. So anybody who wants to do this promoter's job, good luck to you. Like, you know, people think I'm extremely impatient. And I'm not really impatient. My problem is that stupidity really angers me. Right. That if I tell you something or we've done something a hundred times, like Set up the ring after Cody's class on Thursday. We have a show Friday or Saturday. It doesn't matter, Sunday. Why do I have to tell you to put the turnbuckle pads that have our logo on it? Why do I have to tell you 
that we need chairs set up in front of the bleachers. We've done the same thing for 14 years. It, it, it isn't rocket science. So, you know, Joe DeFalco, the guy who doesn't like to basically delegate, keeps being reminded why sometimes delegating isn't a good thing because it doesn't get done unless you do it or you yell at somebody to do it. Yeah, sure. Um, and, you know, that's the that's the constant struggle. And thank God you didn't have to um, put yourself in as the fifth uh, person in the uh, scramble match. So, you know, yeah, if I, if I needed a fifth person, Breath of Threat was ready to go. He had no voice, but he was ready to go. Just, just see you throw on a single let and you could you could have just said you were Brett and just hung out outside the uh, outside the apron the whole time. But uh, it's uh, it's a fascinating, fascinating thing when you think about everything that goes into it and um, you know how people. Anybody want to buy me out? Let me know. Give me a price. Well, according to Rocky, it's about three million now, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> three million pesos. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week. Until next week, see you guys later. <laughs>